0: A black 16-year-old is shot by an 84-year-old white man, and the media ramp up the narrative machine. We examine the real stats on racial crime in America and examine why the media refused to report them. And the White House opposes a bill protecting girls in sports from boys who believe they're girls. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com. ben Alrighty, well, big story of the day. We have the media's favorite type of racial crime, a white on black shooting. This is their favorite type of racial crime. In fact, it is the only type of racial crime the media will actually report. And it is indeed a horrendous crime. I mean, this is a really, really bad situation. It is obviously an act of evil if if what we are seeing right now is the entirety of the story. And from the available facts, the facts are the facts. According to the UK Daily Mail, A white homeowner has now been charged with first-degree assault for shooting a 16-year-old black boy named Ralph Yarl when he mistakenly rung his doorbell in Kansas City, Missouri. Andrew Lester, 85, is facing two felony charges, and a warrant has now been issued for his arrest, according to Clay County Prosecutor Zachary Thompson. The prosecutor confirmed there was indeed a racial factor in the ordeal. The kid was a teenage musical scholar who apparently has now applied applied to Yale, apparently a really good kid, and he was trying to find his younger twin brothers to pick them up a block away and he rang the wrong doorbell and this guy just blasted the gun through the door and shot him in the head and in the arm it's a horrible situation the the prosecutor says i can tell you there was a racial component to the case the bond for the for the suspect is set at $200,000 if convicted lester would face life in prison for the assault charge and 3 to 15 years for armed criminal action now apparently the uh, apparently he pulled into the driveway of the home. This would be the, the kid, Ralph Yarl. Around 10 p.m. on April 13th, he rang the doorbell and he was immediately shot in the head by the homeowner. So the original suspicion by some online is that there was a, he actually like mistakenly opened the door. Apparently that did not happen. He just rang the doorbell and this crazed homeowner just shot him through the door. Thank God the kid survived. He was released from the hospital after only four days. Now, here's the part where, where things start to go off the rails. The politicization of a situation like this is just disgusting, like truly gross, because what the media and what Democrats have decided to do is turn this into a, a writ large narrative right? that this sort of stuff's happening all the time. The life of a young black man anywhere in the United States is that he might ring on a random white doorbell and just get shot through the door. right? This is the narrative that the media and the Biden administration are going to attempt to draw. The reason I say this is because President Biden called the Yarl family on Monday and invited them to the White House when Ralph is well enough. So a young 16-year-old black man gets shot by an 84-year-old white man through the door. And the president of the United States calls up the family and says, come on over to the White House. Now, this would beg the question. It would require you to ask another question, which is how often do situations like this happen? Really, how often do white people just shoot black people? How often is that sort of homicide committed? Because... The only reason the president would do this, I mean, he's not doing this for everybody. He's not calling up every victim of a a homicide attempt and, and inviting them to the White House. He's only doing it when certain races fit the bill. And again, none of this is to deny the evil that occurred here. This guy should go to jail for the rest of his life if all the facts that I've just stated are the entirety of the facts, which again, right now they appear to be. But that has nothing to do with the broader narrative, which is a narrative driven by the media which is that the true victims of crime in the United States when it comes to interracial crime are black people at the hands of white people. That's the only reason why the president of the United States would intervene in this case as opposed to the myriad other cases where people get shot. He never calls up a black family when the perpetrator was black. That never happens, which is the most common type of of homicide in the United States on a per capita basis. And on a raw basis, the most common type of homicide in the United States is white people being shot by other white people. On a non-per capita, on a per capita basis, the most common type of gun homicide or homicide attempt would be black people on black people. He never calls up any of those people. White person gets shot by a white person. Joe Biden does not care. A black person gets shot by a black person. Joe Biden does not care. A white person gets shot by a black person, as we'll discuss. Joe Biden seriously doesn't care. He only cares when it's one type of interracial crime. And that is why, presumably, the president of the United States is intervening. A bunch of famous faces picked up the cause, according to the Daily Mail, with actresses Viola Davis, Jennifer Hudson and Halle Berry calling for justice for Ralph after hundreds of protesters marched outside the home of the suspected shooter on Sunday with with the victim's family to demand action. So what actually happened is that he was immediately picked up, the suspect, and then he was released two hours after he was arrested because they have a, a rule in Missouri that you actually have to release the person within 24 hours if you're not going to charge them immediately. And then they they went back and they charged him, right? This is actually normal procedure. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, said he hopes the justice system does right by him and a GoFundMe account to help Ralph and his family raised more than $1.7 million. $1.7 million. Again, the, the teenager's family has now branded the incident a hate crime, which it certainly could be. Ralph's aunt, Dr. Faith Spoonmore, claimed that when the teenager fell to the floor, he was shot again. And then miraculously managed to run to, next door to a neighbor for help. She said her nephew had to knock on three doors before he was helped. And even then, he was told to lie on the floor with his hands above his head. And she's suggesting that those people who didn't let him into the house or, or who were asking him to raise his hand, those people obviously also were some sort of racist, according to the family. That seems a bridge too far for me, considering if somebody showed up heavily bleeding from the head and the arm at your doorstep, you might be a little wary of what exactly is, is going on. I mean, that, that's not like the craziest idea, in the but put that aside, obviously. What you're talking about right here is a is a what looks like a racial crime, what, what very well may be a, a hate crime rooted in the race of the suspect, in the race of the suspect and the race of the victim. But again, only one type of crime is covered by the media is the only thing that they care about. So protesters were originally got very angry, like preemptively angry that this shooter was supposedly not going to be prosecuted, despite the fact that he then is going to be prosecuted and probably will end up in jail for the rest of his life, which won't be very long. Presumably, he's 84 years old here are some of the protesters who are angry at the release of the shooter.
1: Making their voice heard and presence known, taking a step towards justice up to the home where Ralph Yarl was shot twice.
0: Okay, so again, these sorts of protests happen like preemptively. Now, number one, I should just point out here that in criminal justice cases, you shouldn't prosecute people based on protesters. You should prosecute them based on the crime, which is what exactly is happening here. But the level of I mean, this was front page of The New York Times. This is front page of The Washington Post website. This was the president of the United States calling up Ralph Yarrell's family, which suggests the reason that, that Joe Biden is intervening the media, because this is a this is just the tip of the spear, right? This is how the media, how they decide what is a local crime story versus what they decide is a national crime story is entirely rooted in what they wish the narrative to be. And what the media and the Democratic Party wish the narrative to be is that black men in America, young black men in America are victims of white people who are attempting to murder them. Right? that's the reason why this is a national crime. I'll give you an example of something that is not a national crime, according to me. In fact, Such a not-national crime that you can't even relate the race of the suspects. We'll get to that momentarily. First, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Have you ever stopped to think about who has access to that information, what they might be doing with it, if you're like most people, you probably haven't thought about that very much because why would you? But the truth is, your browsing data reveals a lot about you, your interests, habits, location, even your identity. Every time you visit a website, you click on a link, or make a purchase online, you're leaving a digital trail that can be monetized by advertisers and data brokers or even hacked. Then everybody uses that information to target you, whether it's directly taking your identity or taking money from you or just targeting you with the ads and promotions tailored specifically to you. The more data they have, the more accurately they can target you with ExpressVPN. You can encrypt your internet traffic and hide your browsing data from prying eyes. That is what I do. I love ExpressVPN. It's very easy to use. One button, you install it on your phone or your computer. Another button, it's now working and, and you're protected. Secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You get extra three months for free. That's ExpressVPN. Dot com slash Ben. Once again, ExpressVPN.com slash Ben today. Go check them out. It's lightning fast speeds, unlimited bandwidth, easy to use software, ExpressVPN. That's ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. We'll get some more on this in just one moment. First, using the internet without ExpressVPN. Well, it's like forgetting to mute yourself on a Zoom meeting and having everyone hear your side conversation with your coworker. Not that that's ever happened to me, but you know, It's bad. Well, internet service providers track every single website you visit, which is also bad. They sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who then use it to target you with their ad programs. ExpressVPN reroutes your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your internet provider can't see or sell your online activity. It sounds complicated, but ExpressVPN is actually really easy to use. Just fire up that app. Click one button. One subscription works on all your devices like phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected as well. Here at Daily Wire, we're proud to have ExpressVPN as our top privacy partner because we believe everyone should be able to protect themselves from big tech's prying eyes. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash ben. Get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ben. That's the service I use. You should do the same. Expressvpn.com slash ben to get an extra three months for free. All right, so I'm going to give you an example of a story that has, is not a national news story because that's the way this works. In fact, it is labeled local crime and public safety by the Washington Post. This is a local crime and public safety story. So, Fairfax police are investigating the death of a woman found with a gunshot wound in her car in the parking lot of Mount Vernon Hospital. According to the Washington Post local, and this is local, police said that on April 13th, just before 11 a.m., a community member saw an unconscious woman in the hospital parking lot on Holland Road. Emergency responders found Brenda Ochoa Guerrera, 33, of Alexandria in the passenger seat of her vehicle. A preliminary examination revealed Ochoa Guerrero had suffered a gunshot wound to the upper body, according to the cops. Surveillance footage captured two men parking Ochoa Guerrero's vehicle a little after 1 a.m. and leaving the area. They were then picked up by another SUV, according to the police. Police did not immediately disclose additional details surrounding Ochoa Guerrero's death. And so no race, but we have surveillance footage, right? I mean, theoretically, if you're now on the lookout for the people who are, um, who are the perps, you'd want to describe the perps, right? And this would be like a pretty relevant place where you describe, for example, the ethnicity or race of the perps. In fact, detectives then released a statement seeking the community's help, identifying the men relating to this death investigation. And here is their descriptive description. Through detectives investigation, review of surveillance footage, they saw two men park Ochoa's vehicle at one eleven a.m. and leave the area. The men were then picked up by another SUV and left the area. Below are the two videos of the men who parked. Okay, again, still no physical description of the suspect. So here is some of the surveillance video. And these are two men who apparently just shot Ochoa Guerrero and left her for dead in the car. Now, you you would think that maybe the race of the suspects would be relevant. I mean, obviously, one of the two is black, but we're not going to report on the race of the suspects at all. The other one might be Hispanic, could be white. You can't really tell. Now, wouldn't it be relevant to report the race of the suspects in this? I mean, this woman actually died. I mean, she's dead. Ralph Yarrow, thank God, is alive. This woman is actually dead. Not even reporting the race of the suspects, though. But this is the way the media work, right? When a, when, a, when a suspect is black, we do not report the race of the suspect. This is like a thoroughgoing thing in the mainstream media. They refuse to report the race of suspects when suspects in any crime happen to be black because they're afraid that it's going to support a narrative that is racist in intent or something. And if you actually cite fact, the facts themselves are written. Now, here's the thing. Facts themselves are not, in fact, racist. They're not racist. But, but the media only report the race of suspects when the suspects are white. That is just the way it works. I'm going to give you another example of this. So here is, some, here is some tape that has gone viral now of looters ransacking an LA gas station over the course of the last couple of days. Here, here is some of the video from ABC7
1: video into our newsroom shows hundreds of people crowding an Arco near Central and Alondra. After smashing the door, dozens of looters flooded into the store, grabbing anything they could. L.A. Sheriff's deputies tell us there were thousands of dollars worth of merchandise stolen and a thousand more in damages. This as deputies deal with numerous street takeovers throughout the city. Deputies say they couldn't intervene because of safety concerns as they were very outnumbered.
0: Okay, the deputies are outnumbered. Looters ransacked these gas stations. You'll notice no report on the race of the suspects in this particular case. In fact, if you, go to, if you go to abc7.com, their report on this will not report the race of any of these suspects, even though you can see from the video, this is a disproportionately black group of people who are looting the, the gas station because you can't mention it. It's unmentionable. According to ABC7, sheriff's deputies in Compton have returned to their patrol duties Monday following a chaotic weekend that involved a series of street takeovers and a mob of looters that left it a trail of destruction at local stores. And law enforcement officials say they are developing partnerships and a plan to stop the increasingly common occurrence of street takeovers in Compton. Video captured a wild scene at an Arco gas station near Alondra Boulevard and Central Avenue early Sunday morning, where a large group was caught on video bum rushing an Arco gas station and stealing thousands of dollars worth of merchandise, all while the clerk on duty hid inside. The video shows one man breaking the glass door while dozens of looters crowd behind him. Moments later, the group was seen grabbing everything from drinks, snack, alcohol and condoms. Investigators said shots were fired about a block away from the store raid, though no injuries were reported. Residents of Compton, which again is a heavily black area in Los Angeles, say the street takeovers have become a frequent problem in the area in which looting took place. They say the scenes captured at the arc were bound to happen at some point. This intersection, this goes down two to three nights a week. We hear the motors running. If you're close by, you you can't breathe after they got going, said Ricky Finley, a resident of Compton. Again, this heavily black area, but you're not supposed to report the race of suspects in these particular cases. Ever, Because if you do, it might lead to people to have bad thoughts, bad thoughts like you, the, the viewer of news, cannot be trusted with actual facts because it might make you a racist or something to know that suspects in this case are black. Whereas precisely the opposite, if a white, if an elderly white man shoots a black kid through the door because he's a racist, that is indicative of white racism in all of its systemic evil across the United States. And again, this is not just in Los Angeles. And we saw this in Chicago as well over the course of the last week. And we'll get to that in just a moment. First, you may have noticed that prices of essential goods are not coming down anytime soon. You need to start looking at ways that you can cut costs. One of the ways you can do that, make the switch on over to Pure Talk. Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 per year. You can get the same coverage you're used to at half the rate you are currently paying. Not only will you save money, you'll also get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting a great American company. The CEO and chairman of Pure Talk is a U.S. military veteran. When you become a Pure Talk customer, you're given the option to support America's warrior partnership, which is an organization that works to prevent veteran suicide. I'm a customer of Pure Talk. They don't drop calls. Their 5G network is excellent actually using the same tower network as one of the big guys. We've got a range of affordable plans to choose from. You can find the perfect option for your needs. Get unlimited talk, text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month, no contract. Switch on over to PureTalk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Their US-based customer service team makes the switch super simple. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That is puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. PureTalk is simply smarter wireless. Make the same switch that I did. Head on over to puretalk.com, Enter promo code Shapiro and save 50% off your very first month of coverage. All So, and this is not just in Los Angeles. It's not just re- with regard to local crime stories where people get shot to death. It's also in uh, Chicago. So as we reported yesterday, over the weekend, there was a giant ransacking in the loop of Chicago, which is the downtown, really nice storefront area. Uh, here is a video of one group jumping on cars and running across traffic in Chicago. Again, this sort of characterized Chicago over the weekend. We see this group of uh, young people. And you, as you can see, the race of young people, disproportionately of black crowd here. Don't report the race ever is the rule. If the race does not match what the narrative ought to be. OK, or how about Walmarts being looted in Chicago and Walmarts like Walmarts are being shut down in Chicago because of the looting problems in Chicago. And then you have inner city leaders who are going out and saying things like, ah, how how dare these corporations Shot down. But this is here's a Chicago woman, presumably of color, crying while documenting this Walmart being looted.
1: Every grocery store looks like this. Everything is either on the floor. Look at Look,
0: this. The celery's still fully stocked. Can't even
1: get no food for my kids, G. Look at this. Came in the store to try to buy something. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a thief. Look at this. In my hood, can't even get
0: no food for my kids. Okay, but the media won't cover this. I mean, they won't. If they do cover it, they'll talk about systematic poverty or some such nonsense. Okay, meanwhile, here's, a, here's an actual interracial crime story. Okay, so here's a video that emerged over the course of the last couple of days. Is a white woman getting the actual hell beat out of her by a black crowd. That is what is happening here. Somebody posted this on their, on their Instagram page, I believe, uh, or on YouTube and said, yay, we get active. This is what it means to get active, apparently, in Chicago, is for a black crowd to beat the living hell out of a young white woman is what this looks like here. That is a young white woman trying to get into a building, and now they're just going to beat the living out of her. Truly evil behavior here, obviously. And look at that guy's sweatshirt. antisocial social social club. Like people are coming to, to do this sort of stuff. Like people are gathering. They are, they are coordinating with one another to do these sorts of things. And so what does our political class do? Well, I mean, if it's a, if it's a black crowd doing this to a white woman, we don't even know the name of that white woman. We don't, ha- we don't know what happened to her. I mean, from that video, I would assume that she was gravely injured. That is a crowd of predominantly young black men beating the living hell out of a white lady. And no one cares in the media. No one cares enough to actually pursue who is that woman? What actually happened to her? Is she in the hospital? Did she do anything? Like what, what exactly is it? No one cares. Is Joe Biden going to call her family? I don't think so. Joe Biden doesn't know her name. Joe Biden doesn't care about her name. Joe Biden not care about any of that because the narrative doesn't match. This has nothing to do with the evil that was done to Ralph Yarl. That is an evil. What this has to do with is the massive narrative double standard that the media create in which we are all supposed to believe that the true threat to racial peace in the United States is white people who are preying on black people. That's the lie. It's not true. And meanwhile, stories like this, the only way to preserve that narrative, because statistically it's not true, is to simply ignore stuff like this. So you have Lori Lightfoot, the current outgoing mayor of Chicago, saying it's wrong to call this, I don't know, does it look like mayhem to you? That look like mayhem to me.
1: Lightfoot says there's lots of opportunity to redirect young people to safe spaces, but scoffed at one reporter
0: describing what happened as quote mayhem.
1: And, and here's the thing, the vast majority of the young people that came downtown came downtown because it was a great um, weather and an opportunity to enjoy the city. That's absolutely entirely appropriate. Um, there are a few that came with different intentions and they have they have and they will be dealt with. Um, but I'm not going to um, use your language, which I think is um, wrong uh, to say that it's mayhem.
0: It was wrong to say that it's mayhem. She said they're, they're, they're out there to enjoy the weather while they're beating the living hell out of a white woman and trashing cars and burning them and, and looting things. Yes. Well done. Now, would Lori Lightfoot have similar feelings if the races were reversed here? Of course not. Of course not. Imagine a white crowd beating the living hell out of a black woman like that. Not only would that be front page news, it would be front page news for months. And this Ralph Yarrow case is going to be front page news for the next several weeks, minimum, because it's going to be treated as indicative of the experience of young black men in the United States. In a second, I actually want to go through the statistics here, because if we're going to talk about interracial crime. Now, the vast majority of crime in the United States is intra-racial. Meaning white on white crime, black on black crime, Hispanic on Hispanic crime. The only group for which that is not true in the United States, ethnically speaking, is Asians. For Asians, the majority of crime committed against Asians is by people of other races. But for everybody else, it's intra-racial crime. However, we're going to get into inter-racial crime in just one second. First, the economy is under a lot of stress right now. Your skincare routine does not have to be. GenuCell is dedicated to helping you through trying times to prove it. They're offering over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, for the first time ever, GenuCell including both the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector with every purchase of their most popular package. Don't miss out on this amazing deal just in time for warmer days ahead. GenuCell's Ultra Retinol contains a powerful retinol alternative safe to use on your skin in the summer sun. Their Dark Spot Corrector helps reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots right now and get them both in GenuCell's most popular package. So producer Savvy just had a baby, which means she's never sleeping again, but she's been using GenuCell to make herself look better because let's face it, when you're a parent, you don't get any sleep. You need GenuCell. Try it for yourself. Get GenUcel's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. That's two free gifts plus free shipping. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Again, that's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Shapiro. And every order subscription includes that luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. Okay, so let's go through some of the stats here because again, the media narrative here, the media from Joe Biden, the media from everyone today and for the next couple of weeks and forever, probably, is going to be that black men live under constant threat, right? This was the George Floyd Black Lives Matter narrative. Black men are living under constant threat because on rare occasions, people like Ralph Yarl are shot through the door by a possibly demented 84 year old racist. right that's that's the That's the narrative because black people in America, they are under the thumb of the system and the system is reflected in shootings like that one. So now let's talk about actual crime statistics in the United States. All the stuff you're not supposed to talk about, ever supposed to talk about. The reality is, as I've said, intraracial crime represents the vast majority of crime in the United States, violent crime in the United States. Interracial crime is disproportionately black on white, not white on black. Wildly disproportionately black on white, not white on black. So let's look at the race and ethnicity of violent crime offenders and arrestees. 2018, this is the DOJ reporting this, quote, relative to their share of the U.S. population, 60 percent white people were underrepresented among offenders in non-fatal violent crimes overall, 52 percent. They accounted for 45 percent of offenders involved in aggravated assault and 31 percent of offenders involved in robbery. They were not underrepresented to a statistically significant degree among offenders involved in rape or sexual assault or simple assault. Black people were overrepresented among offenders in non-fatal violent crimes overall. 29% of all non-fatal violent crimes were committed by black people relative to their share of the U.S. population, which is 13%. Half of all offenders involved in robbery, 51%, a majority of offenders involved in robbery, were represented by 13% of the population. A third involved in aggravated assault, 34%. More than a fifth involved in simple assault. And more than a fifth involved in rape or sexual assault were black. Okay, so. Most of that crime, again, is occurring. That's not interracial crime. That's just generalized crime statistics. Black Americans are overrepresented in the crime stats, both among the victims and among the perpetrators. Because black on black crime, again, represents the vast majority of crimes against black people. Now, let's get to the actual statistics on interracial homicide. Okay, we'll use interracial homicide as an example because these are examples that we're looking at. Attempted homicides, okay? So here is the interracial homicide as a percentage of homicides by the victim's race. Okay, so this is a chart from U.S. News and World Report from 2001 to 2015. What you'll see is it's absolutely consistent. These are just straight lines. These are absolutely flat lines. So, white victims killed by blacks as a percentage of white people killed overall. That represents something like 15 to 17% every year from 2001 to 2015. Like somewhere between... 15 and 17% seems about right. And then if you look at the black victims killed by whites, that represents about half that number in terms of the actual percentage. So for example, we'll take 2019. 2019 is a perfect example of this. And again, this is a perfectly consistent stat. This is year over year, every year. Every year, about twice the percentage of whites are killed by blacks as a percentage of white people generally, as blacks are killed by whites as a percentage of black people generally. Okay, which means that when you adjust for population size, black on white homicide is significantly more of a problem than white on black homicide. According to the FBI statistics, 3,299 white Americans were murdered in 2019. 79% of those, 2,594 of them, were killed by white perps. 566 of them, 17% were killed by black perpetrators. So again, that means that 17% of white Americans who were murdered in 2019 were killed by black perpetrators, according to the FBI. Now, let's look at Black Americans. For Black Americans, 2,906 Black Americans were murdered in 2019. 2,574 of them, 89%, were killed by Black perpetrators. 8%, 246, were killed by White perpetrators. So 17% of White Americans who were murdered in 2019 were murdered by Blacks. 8% of Blacks who were murdered in 2019 were killed by Whites. So on a raw level, a White American was about twice as likely to be killed by a Black American as vice versa. Okay, but we also have to take into account the percentages of the population at work here. So there are about 235 million white Americans. There are about 47 million black Americans, which means that one out of every million white Americans killed a black person in the year 2019. By contrast, 12 out of every million black Americans killed a white person in 2019. Okay, so again, this is not to suggest that there's like a huge threat of black people killing white people. Again, the vast majority, like you're talking about very small numbers compared to the overall population. Nor is this to suggest anything inherent about race. What this is to suggest is the entire media narrative that is going to be drawn now, as always, when a white person kills a black person, is that black people are in, like this was literally the the lie of Black Lives Matter, that black people were being killed in overwhelming numbers by white people. And it is not true. It is not true. On a statistical level, it is more likely that if a white person is killed, they were killed by a black person. than if a black person was killed, they were killed by a white person by a factor of about two. And again, that's not even adjusting for population size. When you're talking about overall violent crime, interracial violent crime, like black on white or white on black. So, overall, this is a stat from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Okay, there's a governmental stat at the national level from 2019. There were in 2019 562,550 violent interracial black and white incidents. Of those 562,550 incidents between black people and white people, violent interactions, 472,570 of them, 84%. Or black people attacking white people. And in terms of general crime, I mean, this is the, the real problem here is that, again, when you refuse to pay attention to the actual race of the perpetrators, when the perpetrators happen to be black, what you end up doing is harming black victims, because the vast majority of people who are hurt by black perpetrators are black victims. But the media don't care about those people. The media don't give a crap that Walmart is getting looted and people can't feed their kids. They don't care about black people getting shot in Alabama by other black people. They don't care about any of that. It doesn't fulfill their broader narrative, which is white people have to have control in order to fix all the problems. The, the Robin D'Angelo white supremacy narrative that black people are responsible for the ills of American society and black and, and white people must have the power to fix that. But let's be real about this. If you want to stop crime that harms disproportionately black people in the United States, perhaps you should actually look at the fact that a disproportionate num- amount of crime in the United States is committed by young black men. According to a study printed in the journal Science Advances, quote, lifetime risk of imprisonment for black males rose from more than one in five in 1986, 20%, to nearly one in two in 2004, before falling to roughly one in six. 16% of black males, in other words, have a lifetime risk of being imprisoned in 2016. It's still higher recorded than ever for, for white males. So this would lead to some questions systemically about how cities are being run, about the incentive structure for keeping fathers in homes, about disciplinary structures, because it turns out, that the number one factor, the number one correlative factor when it comes to high levels of crime in a community are missing fathers. When there are no father figures to enforce the rules, when there's no one there to enforce the rules, what you end up with is lawlessness. And when there are no cops there because of Black Lives Matter or the Ferguson rise, when that sort of stuff happens, crime gets way, way, way worse. And this is precisely, by the way, what has happened in New York City. Again, the vast majority of crime in the United States, at least street crime, is committed by a small number of people who are doing crimes over and over and over, and then being released onto the streets. Even the New York Times has to admit this. According to the New York Times, this is just a couple of days ago, quote, a tiny number of shoplifters commit thousands of New York City thefts. Nearly one third of all shoplifting and arrests in New York City last year involved 327 people total. Collectively, they were arrested and rearrested more than 6,000 times, according to police commissioner Keechint Sewell. Some engage in shoplifting as a trade. I'm looking forward to the media now. They've already decided that prostitution is sex work. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, shoplifting being reclassified as theft work. That's going to be good. Others are driven by addiction or mental illness. The police did not identify the 327 people in the analysis. But again, one of the reasons that you've seen major cities refuse to crack down on crime is because they wish to perpetuate a narrative, which is that the only reason that minorities are being arrested at disproportionate rates is because of racism, as opposed to the real reason, which is that some minorities in America are committing crimes at a disproportionate rate because some minorities in America have very high rates of single motherhood, have very low rates of educational performance. All of these are fixable cultural problems, but the media don't want to fix those problems because the media have decided that they have narratives in each of these areas. Alternative family structures are are a solution. A single mom can do just as great a job as a mom and a dad. This is part of the media's narrative, too. The problem is that in order to uphold that narrative, they have to ignore this other narrative, and then they have to thrust that on to generalized white supremacy as it, it, an emblem of which is the, is the killing or the attempted killing of Ralph Jarl. All of it, It's just lies on top of lies to avoid the actual problem here. That, that, that it, it's, and it's, it's gross. And it, the people, it predominantly hurts, by the way. Again, black people, as always, as always. can in just a second. We'll get to the Biden administration deciding that they don't care about women, which you already knew. We'll get to that momentarily. First, if you own a business, the past few years have been a bumpy ride. You could probably use a break. Innovation refunds can help. Innovation Refunds knows the value of your time, which is why they made it easy to apply for the Employee Retention Credit, or ERC. Go to GetRefunds.com to get started in less than eight minutes. See if your business qualifies for ERC assistance. Your business may be eligible for a payroll tax rebate of up to twenty six dollars per employee kept on payroll during COVID-19. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They might be able to help your business, too. There is no upfront charge. They don't get paid until your business gets its refund. And if you overpaid your taxes, why not get some of that money back? I mean, the fact is the government's been taking so much of your money. They've been shutting down your business during COVID and putting additional restrictions on you. If you paid too much in your tax, why not get that money back right now? Don't miss the opportunity. This payroll tax refund is only available for a limited amount of time. Head on over to GetRefunds.com. Again, that is GetRefunds.com. G-E-T-R-E-F-U-N-D-S.com. GetRefunds.com. Go check them out right now. Also, when leftists tell you that America is systematically racist or systemically racist, they're lying. All the evidence actually points to the contrary. Every attempt to fix this non-existent problem in the name of equity is making the country worse is what we've been talking about. While Heather McDonald is shutting down that malignant ideology of anti-racism in her brand new book, When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty and Threatens Lives. Heather McDonald's When Race Trumps Merit exposes how the BLM-fueled equity obsession is destroying Western civilization or tearing down the meritocracy. Because meritocratic standards have a disparate impact on certain minorities. We no longer enforce a lot of criminal laws because doing so has a quote unquote disparate impact on minority criminals. But lowering standards, as Heather explains, jeopardizes scientific progress, destroys public order, and poisons the appreciation of both art and culture when race trumps merit. It's a great book, it's eye opening. The truth always is Heather is unafraid to break taboos about academic achievement and crime. She provides the data and the life stories that show the damage being done to this country in real time, all in the name of equity. The book is a must-read for anybody who's concerned about the present state of the country and worried for our future when Race Trump's Merit is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Heather will be on the show a little bit later on today. Well, meanwhile, the Biden White House, they to oppose the rights of women to compete against other women and not against men, which presumably is why the administration released yesterday a statement against... H.R. 734. So H.R. 734 says that girls should compete against girls and boys should compete against boys. The White House says, no, no, this is bad. It's bad. Boys should be able to compete against girls. Quote For students nationwide, participating in sports and being part of a team is an important part of growing up, staying engaged in school and learning leadership and life skills. H.R. 734 would deny access to sports for many families by establishing an absolute ban on transgender students even those as young as elementary schoolers playing on a team consistent with their gender identity. Well, I have a question. How does it deny access to sports? It doesn't. It just says that if you're a girl and you think you're a boy, you should compete with the girls. You can still be on a girl's team. What's the problem? Schools, coaches, and athletic associations around the country are already working with families to develop participation rules that are fair and that take into account particular sports grade levels and levels of competition. This White House has bought full into the lie that boys can be girls, girls can be boys, and that it is deeply important that kids be taught this. And this has now been imbibed by the plurality of the Democratic Party. There's a poll from YouGov from the last week, and here's what it shows. Here's the question. Who should be allowed to attend drag shows? Now, normal human beings might say you have to be an adult to attend, you know, a sexualized man prancing around in women's garments and twerking. Perhaps you should be an adult to attend that. Like that's, By the way, that happens to be the position of 52% of people who are independent, politically independent. Another 9% of those people say they should be banned altogether, like no drag shows at all. So that'd be 61% of independents say either they should be restricted to people who are over 18 or they should be banned. Among Democrats, 39% say, 39% say they should be available to everyone. Drag shows should be available to everyone, regardless of age. You should bring your two-year-old to a drag show. Say almost four in 10 Democrats, accompanied, by the way, by 53% of gay, lesbian, and bisexual people. Among Republicans, obviously, as you would imagine, only 8% of Republicans say that these should be allowed for everyone. I have no idea who the 8% of Republicans are. 58% say that they should be restricted to people who are above the age of 18. It's 6 in 10. But the fact that 4 in 10 Democrats think that it's fine for like a two-year-old to go to a drag show is insane to me. But these are the people that the Democratic Party is now serving. That is their chief constituency. And so this means that they have to fight back on every front. And this is particularly true on the cultural front. I mean, it's true from the top to the bottom of of pop culture. So Bill Gates, for example, and now comes out, is funding millions of dollars to an NGO claiming that kids are born sexual and that 10-year-olds should learn about commercial sex work. According to Fox News, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation donates millions of dollars annually to a non-governmental organization called the International Planned Parenthood Federation, which, of course, is related to Planned Parenthood. It's a separate entity from the U.S. nonprofit, but it wields significant influence on global sex education. They have 120 independent organizations in over 146 countries, and they've received 80 million bucks from Gates. World Health Organization also gives money to them. A toolkit released in 2017 showed an insight into how the NGO teaches sex ed to kids around the globe. Quote, sexual activity may be part of different types of relationships, including dating, marriage or commercial sex work, among others. This is what apparently kids under 10 should be taught. Children under 10 should also be told, quote, as you grow up, you might start to be interested in people with diverse gender identities. The IPFF, the IPPF rather, suggested in multiple instances that children are born sexual. Quote, children under 10 should be taught that sexuality is a part of you from the moment you are born. Your sexuality develops and changes throughout your life. By, by the way, this is just, I'm sorry, that's, that's such stupid garbage. Sexuality, like have you met a baby? Like meet a baby? Are those particularly sexual beings? Do you, if so, then you should go to jail. There's something wrong with you. But again, this is now penetrated to the last vestiges of our pop culture. Presumably, this is why SNL is now featuring. I don't know when SNL decided they were going to be like the less funny version of MSNBC, but this is what they do now. So apparently there's a person on SNL, Saturday Night Live, named Molly Kearney. Molly Kearney is doing a really bad Chris Farley cosplay here, cosplay, and, um, and is quote unquote non-binary, by which we mean that Molly Kearns is a, is a woman. That's, that's what non-binary means. It doesn't exist. So Molly Kearney is uh, going to lecture you on Saturday Night Live about trans kids. Is it all the hilarity? Oh, the hilarity. So she has now entered the Hannah Gadsby versus Samantha Bee sweepstakes of comedy death. Here we go.
2: Introducing SNL's first non-binary cast member, it's Molly Kearney!
1: (laughs)
0: It's just, it's like. There are
2: now over 14 states that have passed bills restricting health care for trans kids.
1: Listen to that, Michael. Yeah. Restricting health care for kids. For some reason, there's something about the word trans that makes people forget the word kids. If you don't care about trans kids' lives, it means you don't care about frickin' kids' lives.
0: Wow, wow. So much funny, man. Wow. Wow, so much hilarity. I
1: I am, and also my legs are going numb and I might pass out.
0: Okay, so uh, the original Chris Farley was funnier. And also when they used to write funny lines for people. But this is the entire culture. The entire culture is now pushing the idea, of course, that boys can be girls, girls can become boys. And that if you oppose this agenda, then this means that you are stupid and transphobic. This is what stupid person Sonny Hostin had to say on Repository of Stupidity of the View. Collective IQ 8.
1: They also are making this out to be a trans, It's 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 a, this is a transphobic issue, right? We know that this country is highly transphobic, It's so, it, and it's unbelievable to me that this
2: still goes Let's on. Let's say that many of the transphobic people get the attention. I doubt that the country's as transphobic I, I hope, as- I hope the country
1: is not yeah. as transphobic well, as go it ahead. appears sorry to be, but trans that. rights are under yeah. attack yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Now this is, and people are saying, this is a, an American beer. This is a Belgian company, okay, yeah. like, <laughs> not even like, Segment, we can not the problem. Anheuser-Busch, <laughs> Anheuser-Busch is a Belgian company that doesn't only sell Bud Light, but sells like beer in like 130 countries and stuff, and like Different all over the world, yes. and all kinds of beers. Yeah. So that's why it's so dumb to me. I-
0: Oh, it's so dumb to you. I mean, if something is dumb to Sonny Hostin, we can immediately assume it's one of the most brilliant things that's ever been done because she is one of the dumber people on planet Earth is Sonny Hostin. But again, this is the idea that if you oppose a major mainstream American brand trying to trans the culture, then this means that you are you are dumb in some way. Also, there's nothing to worry about, guys. There's nothing to worry about, which is presumably why Sam Smith is being treated as a hero. Still. So you remember Sam Smith from uh, the Grammys where he performed as Satan. Well, he's still doing that routine. Uh, I. What is the crowd for this? Honestly, who, who finds this stuff like quality entertainment? Not only is it tired and, and boring, it's also like absolutely horrifying. I'm just wondering, like Sam Smith claims now that he is what gender non-binary. He keeps switching his identity every couple of minutes. So he's, he's a gender non-binary man or something, um, uh, which but he's but he's still gay. Right. I mean, he, he like is a man who, who wants to have sex with, with other men. I have a question for gay dudes. Is this like attractive to you? Just a question for, for all the gay folks in the audience, because Why? I find this. Confi- anyway, here is Sam Smith uh, prancing on world tour. There are no audience age restrictions on the show, by the way. So all, all the wonderful Democrat parents who think that, that the four in ten Democrats who think that it's appropriate for children to attend drag shows, they can be perfectly happy attending a satanic a satanic strip show with with obese man Sam Smith. It's just funny at this point, like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, stop being funny, now just, ugh. ah, uh.
1: Oh, uh,
0: no. Uh Okay, guys, this is what you're doing to the culture. Really? Well, well done. Now, this, is what, this is what woke does to the culture throughout, by the way. Just destroy all standards of beauty, decency, truth. All of those things must go, which is presumably why you end up with um, Lizzo doing a selfie video in which she explains that she is the new standard for beauty. Nope. Just going to go, nope. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's going to be a no from me.
1: I just finished showering and doing my little routine. And you know what I realized? I am... Gorgeous, I am the beauty standard. Catch
0: up. Okay, so first of all, the When did narcissism become like an amazing thing? When did it become like a great thing? It, it's pretty pretty amazing that narcissism has just become like the the hallmark of decency. But also, is this the new standard for beauty? Because I feel like not. Yeah, that's that's what beautiful looks like. I mean, I got it. I got to admit my standard of beauty was not actually Slimer from Ghostbusters, but apparently that's the new beautiful is Slimer from Ghostbusters. Mm, mm, Not so much. You make your she made her beauty the issue. I didn't. Okay. if you just if you proclaim I've never proclaimed myself the world's best looking person because that's absurd. When she proclaims herself the world's best looking person, when she is objectively not in like the top. 85%, 85%, that's not my fault, that, that's her fault. But this is, this is what we do, right? Wokeness means that you can never have judgments. Judgments are bad, except they're judgment of you if you actually have standards. The only true non-judgmentalism is to judge everybody who has actual standards when it comes to the real meaning of terms, like say beauty or decency for children or man or woman. All standards must be absolutely exploded. That's the only way you end up with the conclusion that Lizzo is somehow you know, the height and standard for, for human beauty. Good stuff. We're creating a better culture for our kids, guys. It's it's all going to be just fine. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the debt ceiling debate first. uh, I have a problem in my life, okay? Here's the problem. I hate vegetables. They're horrible. Yeah, I'm a deep religious believer, but also, if I were going to be agnostic, it would just be because only a cruel God would make vegetables the thing that you actually have to have in order to remain healthy, because vegetables are just awful and terrible. Well, if you hate vegetables like I do, or maybe you don't hate vegetables, you just don't have the ability to cram as many vegetables in your maw as necessary to keep yourself healthy, you need to check out Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure that you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their capsules are packed with 100% whole food that you can take at any time. Balance of Nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Fruits and veggies are loaded with vitamins, minerals, fiber, and antioxidants that are essential for optimal health. They can help boost your immune system, improve digestion, reduce inflammation, and lower the risk of chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their product down to the studio for my team to try. We all love them. I was really excited to find out that the product is actually certified kosher. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your very first order as a preferred customer. That is balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first preferred order. Okay, meanwhile, the debt ceiling debate is now breaking out into the open. So this has been approaching for quite a while here. They kicked the can down the road at the end of last year. Did Mitch McConnell and company, they didn't want to negotiate with the Republican House because they thought they couldn't get it together or something, so this sort kick of kicked the can down the road. Well, now they're going to have a big debt ceiling debate. Now, we just keep running up against the debt ceiling because the United States has a has a crack spending problem. They just keep spending and spending and spending and spending. We now have a $31 trillion national debt here in the United States. It's not count to all of the unfunded public liabilities, which amounts to presumably, you know, tens of trillions of dollars more than that, hundreds of trillions of dollars more than that, perhaps. So things are going splendidly on the financial front. And if you even say out loud that you wish to cut spending by like much, this means that you're a bad person who wishes to deprive the poor. This is the media's line. So House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says that House Republicans will pass legislation raising the debt ceiling and curbing some federal spending. In a speech that he gave Monday at the New York Stock Exchange, he laid out the House Republican demands for agreeing to a debt limit increase. They want Congress to place limits on federal spending, claw back some unused COVID nineteen aid because there's like billions of dollars in a slush fund that was never actually used, and require Americans to work to receive federal benefits. Those measures would be paired with a debt limit increase that would last into next year. So um, I have a question: what 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 about those things are, are objectionable? Requiring Americans to work to receive federal benefits as opposed to you just get to stay home, that seems normal, but um. According to Democrats, you just have to pass a clean debt limit increase. The debt ceiling just has to be increased without any spending cuts ever. You must never, ever cut the spending. And here is Kevin McCarthy talking about the fact that Joe Biden has just ignored all of this. For
2: 75 days, the president has ignored the debt ceiling. As Speaker of the House, I have a responsibility to tell the nation that that has got to stop. I'm here to tell you, I want a responsible, sensible debt ceiling It puts us on an economic path to make America stronger, that works for every American. But that cannot happen if the president continues to ignore the problem, and he can't continue any longer. The day is coming. I do not want to see this president bumble in to a default. I want to sit down and solve the problem together.
0: Um, so that's all well and good, except that Joe Biden won't even pick up the phone. McCarthy says, I haven't even heard from Biden. I've had months to negotiate this and Biden won't even call me back.
2: Unfortunately, I have not heard from the White House since our very first meeting. President Biden has been missing in action and misleading the public. Mr. President, with all due respect, Enough is enough. This is not how the leader of the free world should act. Your partisan political games are provoking the very crisis you claim to avoid.
0: Well, that, of course, is true. Well, all of this has has meant... Of course, Democratic backlash, because Democrats have the easy solution here. The easy solution is we never actually limit the spending. We just keep borrowing and spending and spending and borrowing is going to have some pretty dire effects down the line, as we'll discuss in just a moment internationally. But here is Chuck Schumer saying we're not even allowed to talk about this stuff. Stop it. We're not going to cut anything.
2: Democrats want to avoid defaulting on our country's debts. Meanwhile, Speaker McCarthy continues to bumble our country towards a catastrophic default which would cause the economy to crash, cause monumental job loss, and drastically raise costs for the American people. He went all the way to Wall Street and gave us no more details, no more facts, no new information at all. I'll be blunt. If Speaker McCarthy continues in this direction, we are headed to default.
0: Okay. now, the reason Democrats are saying this is because they like to blame McCarthy for the default, because the idea is that somehow status quo is we just keep spending and spending and spending and spending. And so anyone who makes the counter argument is then held hostage. And this is true for every sort of federal spending program, every entitlement program. This is why it's now become a third rail to say that we actually do need to restructure Medicare and Social Security or those programs will go bankrupt. Every single person who follows this stuff knows that that is the case. Everyone knows that eventually we're going to have to raise the retirement age or cut benefits or raise taxes dramatically or all three. Everyone knows this. This is not a question. France just had to do the same thing. But you're not even allowed to talk about it because, again, we're just going to walk ourselves blindly into that debt wall. That's, that's precisely what's going to happen. By, by the way, Joe Biden actually voted in favor of spending reforms attached to debt limit increases when he was in the Senate four times. 85, 87, 93, 97. The other times when he opposed raising the debt limit, it was because he said deficit reduction measures were not enough to justify debt limit increases. But now he's going to claim we can never, ever play with the debt ceiling. Ever, ever, ever. Now. Here is the thing. What is likely to happen here over the course of the mid to long term is that our global opponents who own an enormous amount of our debt are likely to start disinvesting in American debt. They're not going to buy new American bonds, which makes it harder for us to raise the money in order for us to actually pay for the programs. They're going to sell off our debt as they attempt to hurt the United States economy and shift over to using some other form of currency instead of the dollar as the global backstop, basically. There is a reason why China right now is attempting to build an alternative to the dollar. And there's also a reason why China is calling in its own debt. So China is now calling in its debts from other countries and refusing to negotiate on relieving that debt because China would like to bring cash into China, presumably so they can then hold the American economy hostage in some way. When we continue to spend and when we sell a huge amount of our debt to our own enemies like China, we are actually harming our own national security interests. But we have to just continue pretending, I guess, that all of this is totally fine, that that everything is fine. Because after all, if we just keep spending, probably everything will be okay. I mean, when has consequences never happened? There are never any consequences at all. By the way, we're going to run into an international debt crisis that has nothing to do with the United States at the same time. Even The New York Times is now acknowledging this. The New York Times editorial board today has a piece called How to Avoid Another Global Debt Crisis, and they're pointing out that a bunch of countries are about to fall into default. Forget the United States for a second. A bunch of countries are about to fall into default. They point out that in Pakistan, more than half of government revenue may have to be devoted to repaying foreign debt unless the country gets relief. In Laos, which owed two billions in debt payment in 2020, the government is now cutting its healthcare budget. Ecuador is telling government employees to work two fewer hours a day to get spending under control in order to get emergency loans. So what are they actually recommending? What they're actually recommending is that the West forgive that debt, that the West absorb that cost. Well, So we're going to be absorbing the cost not only of our own spending, but everybody else's spending as well. Yeah, good luck. The, the debt time bomb that the world has now incurred because of freedom from, for example, a gold standard or any sort of underlying currency standard, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be dramatic. And the United States is playing idiotic games with both our own economic stability and the global economic system when we spend like this. But we have to, again, anybody who claims that we should cut spending is apparently a bad person. Okay, time for a thing I like, and then we'll get to a thing that I hate. So, things that I like today. I do love that Elizabeth Warren has just run out of of any sort of actual program. And so now, she wants to urge the DOJ to investigate Warner Brothers because they asked Batgirl. I'm not kidding. This is a real thing. According to boundingintocomics.com, The pains of Warner Media's merger with Discovery aren't behind the new entity yet. After previously not contesting the merger and letting the deal go through, Democrat lawmakers in Washington are now calling for an investigation of Warner Brothers' discovery under antitrust laws. A group of four, one senator and three members of the House, sent a letter to the AG and his antitrust chief. Senator Elizabeth Warren, as well as three wild leftists, Joaquin Castro of Texas, David Cicilline of Rhode Island, and Pramila Jayapal of Washington, wrote to the DOJ, saying that the merger, quote, appears to have enabled the new company to adopt potentially anti-competitive practices that reduce consumer choice and harm workers in affected labor markets. They also claim the merger has, quote, enabled the combined company to take aggressive measures, harming workers and creatives in the media and entertainment industry while eliminating the disciplining forces of competition that provide workers with the freedom to change jobs or negotiate for better pay and working conditions. The document says the company has the incentive and ability to eliminate broad swaths of its workforce, leaving workers with fewer choices for employment an advancement. Apparently, they are alluding to layoffs, cuts, and myriad other canceled productions over the last year, including Batgirl. Uh, I, I love this. I, I just want, I, all I want from now until the end of time is Elizabeth Warren out there stumping for Batgirl, which apparently was, was, it had already been filmed and it was so bad they shelved it after it had been filmed. You know how bad a film has to be? It's like the day the, the clown laughed or whatever it was. The day the clown died. The, the Jerry Lewis film that was so bad that they actually ended up shelving it and it's never appeared anywhere. That's what happened to Batgirl after spending millions and millions of dollars and Elizabeth Warren's like, ah, we have to block a merger unless I, see, unless I get to see Batgirl. So gotta love Elizabeth Warren. That lady is desperate for attention. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. So in case you didn't know, I, I tend to think that the mainstream media are a bag of flaming hot garbage. Uh, the reason that I think this is clear, they are terrible at everything and they do not understand almost anything. So the UK Telegraph, has an unbelievable piece today. It is so funny. It's a really funny piece. It is called Meet the Elite Couples Breeding to Save Mankind. And the whole thing is about, quote unquote, pronatalism. And so the idea here is that if you think that the world is going to underpopulate itself, which it clearly is going to do in the West, there's not a single Western country that has an above replacement rate, reproductive rate, in the West, except for Israel, it's literally the only one. The United States is currently clocking in at just under 1.8. France is clocking in at 1.2.1 1 is the replacement rate. 2.1 kids per family per woman. That's the replacement rate. If you wish to maintain your population, I'm mean, increase it just to maintain it. Some countries like South Korea are like 0. 0.8. Japan is at like 0. 0.9. Italy is 1.2. Right? These numbers are, are terrible, which means that all of these countries are going to depopulate. And a bunch of environmentalists who are like, yeah, fewer humans. That means better for the trees and such. But here's the reality. When you depopulate your countries, the first thing to go is your social welfare net because ain't nobody there to pay the bills. When you have no kids who are there to support your giant socialistic enterprises, you know what happens to them? They collapse. When the kids don't exist to actually do the innovating, what happens to economic growth? It tanks. Things get worse. Depopulation is a great threat. But the media doesn't understand this argument. And not only do they not understand it, they don't understand who's actually having babies. So in order to prop up, so there are people like me who have said for a long time, that if you are a good and decent person, you should get married and have children, right? I'm, you, know where, you know what I mean by that? I, when, when I say good and decent, I mean, you should, if you're a man, you should marry a woman. If you're a woman, you should marry a man. And then you should have children inside of a solid religious community. And you should produce children who are happy and healthy and given rules and roles, right? This is what I mean. So who does the UK Telegraph find to front the quote unquote pro movement Not the people who are actually having lots of babies in mass numbers, namely religious people in every Western society, right? The only increasing populations in Western societies are Mormons, religious Catholics, Orthodox Jews, religious Muslims, evangelical Protestants. That's it. Those are the only people who are reproducing in above replacement rate numbers in Western societies. That is the entirety of the list. So who did they go and they find? They found a couple of people who are super weird to talk about this. Quote, at the beginning of March, Arya Babu quit her job as a think tank to dedicate herself to something most people have never heard of. Having worked in public policy for several years, the 26-year-old Londoner had had come to an alarming realization about the future of the UK, the world, and the human species. Babu says, quote, it became clear to me people wanted more children than they were having. Considering this is such a massive part of people's lives, the fact they were not able to fulfill this want was clearly indicative that something was wrong. And then they go on to examine the case of people who created a a pro-natalist website. These people are named Simone and Malcolm Collins, two 30-something American entrepreneurs turned philosophers and parents who say they are only the most outspoken proponent of a belief that many prefer to keep private. In 2021, they founded a non-denominational campaign group called pronatalist.org under the umbrella of their nonprofit pragmatist foundation. Buoyed by a $482,000 donation from an Estonian tech billionaire, It is now lobbying governments, meeting business leaders, and seeking partnerships with reprotech companies and fertility clinics. The Collinses did not coin the word pronatalism, which has long been used, along with natalism, to describe government policies aimed at increasing birth rates or mainstream pro-birth positions like that of the Catholic Church. Its opposite is antinatalism, the idea that it's wrong to bring a new person into the world if they're unlikely to have a good life. Malcolm said, quote, I don't think it's appealing to just Silicon Valley people. It's more like anyone who's familiar with modern science and familiar with statistics is aware that this is an issue. But what are they looking for? A secular, paradoxically unorthodox reconstruction of arguably the most traditional view on Earth. So what are they pushing? They're pushing like fake wombs. I'm not kidding. They think the way that they're going to solve the birth rate crisis in the West is through alternative family structures and fake wombs. Because the alternative, which would be encouraging religious people to get married to each other and have families, is like the Nazis. This is really what the UK Telegraph suggests. The problem, he concedes, is that a falling birth rate is a common preoccupation of neo-Nazis and other ethno-nationalists who believe they are being outbred and replaced by other races. The Collinses strongly disavow racism and reject the idea that any country's population should be homogenous. Another issue is what you might call the handmaid's tale problem. From Nazi Germany's motherhood medals to the sprawling brood of infamous Kansas-based hate preacher Fred Phelps, a zeal for large families has often been accompanied by patriarchal gender politics. For liberal Westerners, the idea that we would need to have more babies, we being a loaded pronoun when not all of us would actually bear them, may conjure images of Margaret Atwood's Gilead. Both the Collinses contend this is the kind of future that they are trying to prevent. People compare our group to Handmaid's Tale-like thinking, says Malcolm, and I'm like, excuse me? Though they define themselves politically as conservatives, Malcolm invariably votes Republican. They claim to favor LGBTQ rights and abortion rights and oppose any attempt to pressure those who don't want children into Parenthood. Instead, they say their hope is to preserve a, quote unquote, "diverse range of cultures that might otherwise die out, beginning within the next 75 to 100 years. They want to build a movement that can support people of all colors and creeds, while Ronnie, who already, already wants to have large families. And um, so they, they have decided uh, these are the, like these are the representatives of the pronatal of the have babies' position. not the religious Catholics actually having lots of babies. Or the religious Jews having lots of babies, or the Mormons or the religious Muslims having lots of babies? No. It is this secular couple who apparently run a small website. It's was like, oh, this is like a 5,000-word piece. Quote, it, it, this is quoting the woman, Simone. Quote, as she says this, her five-month-old daughter, Titan Invictus, the couple refused to give girls feminine names, citing research suggesting they will be taken less seriously, is strapped to her chest, occasionally burbling, while Malcolm has charge of their two sons, torsed into an Octavian III. They live in the leafy suburbs of Philadelphia, balancing parenthood with full-time jobs. As co-chief executives of a travel company, writing books about pronatalism, they project an image of accentuated preppiness, dressing an ultra-crisp country club business casual when photographers visit and are open and effusive to the press. And um, uh, she says that she took no time off during Octavian's gestation, uh, gestation, answered business calls while in labor, returned to the office five days after his birth. She stays with each child continuously for the first six months, carrying them in a chest harness, after which Malcolm handles the bulk of child raising. Now, again, so basically, again, they went to the people who are least likely to be an example of people who are having lots of babies. They're like, these are the people who are pushing lots of babies. You know, all the people who want to create artificial wombs. Yeah, nailed it, guys. The media is the media treating parenting as it absolutely for it's, it's like they're visiting an alien civilization. And then they went and found like the the actual weirdest people in the alien civilization in order to talk about pronatalist policies. You know, it's real easy to find people who have lots of babies and aren't interested in for example, in developing artificial wombs or avoiding nuclear family structure. They're all over the place. In fact, if you throw a stone in the world, you'll probably hit one of them. But apparently this is the best the media could do. They they in order to slander, you know, the idea that that sort of mainstream people do this, they find a couple of people who seem to be kind of strange and then they focus in on those people. Typical media narrative garbage. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be talking with Heather McDonald. She's a brand new book out all about the meritocracy being destroyed by wokeism. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. <laughs>